just open them up to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. This past week, um, we spent uh, a group of us, uh, six of us, uh, went up into the mountains in, uh, in Montana, into the Rocky Mountains, and uh, spent time uh, seeking the Lord. And uh, we, we, each day, would study uh, passages or chapters of 2 Timothy and uh, it's been it's been on my mind a lot, obviously because of that. And uh, there's just so much in there that we can um, gather for our own spiritual walk and relationship with Christ. Um, as you're turning there, though, I want to read a passage here for you. Just kind of something that uh, was in my mind this morning from what we were experiencing this last week. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 40. In verse 28, it says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth... Now, when you get out there in, in, in the mountains and you start looking at the vast creation, and all as you see, Herbert said this, I don't know how many times he said, We're out here, you know, we don't see any skyscrapers, we don't see anything that... Man is made. All we see here is what God has made. You're sitting there in God's creation. That's what I love about the chapel. We're sitting out here in God's creation. You know, if you've ever listened to, I record the messages. If you ever listen to one of these messages, sometimes it gets drowned out by some of the birds out there. I mean, it's you know, and I like that. That I like being in, in God's creation. He says this: um, uh, He fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall not faint and be weary. And the young man shall, even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When I think of that waiting on the Lord, uh, I, I, you know sometimes what we have in our culture? We have a problem waiting. And what I mean by waiting is anticipating. Uh, staying quiet or staying still long enough for a response. We, we were getting ready to leave and my father-in-law, he's going back to Papua New Guinea uh, to build some churches. will be gone for probably three to six months. And he was leaving on Wednesday. We were leaving on Tuesday. And, and I said to him, I'll be praying for you. And we got together on Tuesday before I left. And, and uh, we, you know, um, just were talking about the things that he would be doing and and, and I said, I'll be praying for you. And he said, I'll be praying for you too, this trip to Montana. And I looked at him and I said, we, uh, we, we, anticipate, we anticipate the Lord to show up. We anticipate Him uh, to come and to meet with us. And you say, why, why do you anticipate the Lord to come and meet with us? Because He has before. The first time, I've never been out west. I've never seen anything like this. The first time... I went, it was uh, three years ago in June. We had just started talking about 
starting Wellspring. It was a group that said, let's have a church here. We were working on it. We were just going to do one service. And they said, let's start a church. And I was praying, and I felt like I needed to get some sort of answer from God. <laughs> you know, make sure that this is the right thing. And I passed time in the back of a Bible study. We were standing in the back. I said, sometimes I, I just need to... I don't know how the conversation went about. Anyhow, I said that I needed to, you know, hear from God and get some silence. He said, I'm going to the mountains next week or something. You want to go? I said, yeah. And before you know it, he and I are up in this mountain, and I'm building this rock altar. And I think he thought I was crazy. As a matter of fact, I'm positive he thought I was crazy. I was building this rock altar, and I said, gather up these big rocks, and we get this rock altar built up on top of this mountain where you can see this view. And just started praying and committing my life again to God. And whatever He'd have, whatever He would want. And I felt His presence there in the mountain. We started walking back down. It was just me and I. And I was singing and all this stuff. And I just felt God's presence. But then year after year, we'd go back and we would see God do great things. Herbert and Todd were baptized at like 7,000 feet or 6,000 feet in a mountain lake the next year. And we felt God's presence in a powerful way. Then after that, Matt was coming down the mountain from the Sphinx the year after that. And he got gloriously saved. It was wonderful. And then this last year, we saw God move every service. Every time we would open the Scripture and every time we would begin to study this Holy Spirit of God, I mean, would move in a powerful way. We'd tear up and cry and see God work and see what God has been doing. But listen, this waiting and expecting God doesn't just happen in the mountains. It does. It happens not because we were in some strategic place. It happened. I know why it happened. I know why it happened. It happened because we were seeking Him. It happened in, in, up, in the, up in the mountains because we were asking God to meet with us and to show us and give us direction and to guide us. And you know, it can happen, it happens here. It happens here when we seek Him. It happens in your living room. It happens in your home. It happens at your workplace when we are seeking God. I, I did realize, I did learn some things there. And one is that we need that. We need that seeking the Lord. We need that fellowship with the Lord, that refocusing our life from time to time. And you say, where do I have to go to get that? You don't have to go far. You don't have to go into the mountains. You don't have to go into the woods. You don't even have to come to the chapel. You can just... God's presence is with His people. He'll meet with us. He'll see... He'll see you know, from time to time, I'll change uh, scenery. I'll, I'll go read my Bible when I can sometimes in a park. I'll go uh, pray sometimes walking around the park. Or just change the location from time to time. Because God's not in the location. It's just when our heart is seeking Him, waiting on Him, expecting Him to meet with us and to speak to us. And you know what will happen when He does? When He meets with us, when He speaks to us, it will renew our strength. He said even the youth, even the young, uh, they get tired out. Well, we took one... Hike the, the first day. We'd, we'd had about four hours of sleep coming off the plane, and first thing in the morning, we went for a pretty aggressive hike up, uh, up a mountain called the Sphinx. And uh, once we got to the top, to all total, it was a 10 hour hike up and back, straight up and straight down. 
And those last, those last uh, several hundred yards, you can see the top, but those last several hundred yards, I, I mean your legs were jello. Uh, Jeff, would he would trick me, and it was nice that he did that. He'd say, let's just go to that rock up there, which would be like 25 feet away. And it was all that we could do to get to that one and then to the next one, you know? But man, you get to the top of the mountain, and it's just something happened inside your my belly. It was just, wow, the vastness and looking down on where we came from. And that is a theme that we talk about a lot that is a theme in our Christian life is the mountaintops and the valleys. It's the mountaintops and the valleys. And we think a lot of times that God is only with us in the mountaintops. We think that God is only with us on a, on a, on when we experience His presence in a powerful way like we did these last few days and saw God move. We think that that's the only time He's with us, but we realize, we realize that He's with us all the time. He's with us in the valleys, and if it wasn't for the valleys, if it wasn't for the valleys, there would be no growth in our Christian life. We, we, we had a lot of discussion as we would study the Bible this last week, and one of the things that came out the most is the things that we remember the most, whether it's at work or at home or business, church, is, is the hard times, struggles that we went through, hardships that we went through, because it was the hardships that when we trusted God and believed God, it shaped us. It shaped us into our fellowship and walk with Christ. So you're open to 2 Timothy. And again, this is what we've been looking at and studying all week, each day. In 2 Timothy, and even last Sunday I hit a little bit on 2 Timothy. This is the letter that Paul writes to, kind of as he's handing off the baton there, if you will. The ministry of Paul, he's ready to be offered. He's time of departure is at hand, so he's encouraging Timothy in his walk and relationship with Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men also who shall be able to teach others also. This this relationship that we have with Christ, this walk that we have with Christ, is supposed to be passed on. It's supposed to be given to someone else. We're supposed to be helping someone else in our walk with Christ. It's all part of our, our journey. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The one thing that we talked about is, hey, have you ever looked at yourself? Have you ever seen yourself as a soldier of Jesus Christ? As a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, men and women, we are soldiers of Jesus Christ. You know what we find sometimes in Christianity and maybe even Christianity in this culture where honestly we are so blessed. We are so blessed and things come so easily to us. So our, our freedom, our, 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 our freedom to worship, all these things, we, we, we did not pay a very high price to be able to meet here this morning. And we're not afraid of what could happen. But yet when hardness comes, and hardness will come, He says, yea, all they that will live godly shall suffer persecution from time to time. Hardness comes as a Christian. 
and, and dark times come, valleys come. You know what we're supposed to do as Christians? We're supposed to endure those as good soldiers. In other words, when the hard times come, it's not just time to quit. It's not just time. The Christian life is not completely about comfort and convenience. It's just not. There are times that, it, that there's hard times. There are times where things get tough. Uh, someone said this, and I wrote it down while we were talking about this study. They said as Christians, and as we mature as Christians, our, our skin should get thicker, and our hearts should get softer. I thought that's exactly it. As soldiers of Jesus Christ, we don't want to get where we become hardened to the the people around us and the things around us, the thick skin where the, 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 the attacks of this world don't penetrate, but yet we still have a tender, soft heart toward those in need of Christ. I thought it was so perfect picture of how we would look as a soldier. A soldier willing to take on some hardness, willing to take on some responsibility for Christ. He talks a lot about the fight. The fight in 1 Timothy. Hold your figure there in 2 Timothy, we'll be spending more time there today, but we're going to turn to a lot of scriptures, all of them in 1 and 2 Timothy, so turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6. As a soldier of Jesus Christ, there's only one reason to have a soldier, and that is if there is an enemy, that is if there's a warfare to be had, and we understand that there is an enemy. There is an enemy out there that would discourage us, would steal our joy, would... Listen, this is the thing of new Christians we've talked about, that sometimes as new Christians, we're unaware that even though we've just received Christ and there's so much excitement, and there's so much joy, and there's so much zeal in, in, a, in a new believer, but, but I'm not trying to scare, scare them, I'm not trying to uh, you know, take away any of that joy, but being aware, hey, there could come an attack soon. There could come discouragement. There could come some times where you feel like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Begin to doubt even your faith. There is some warfare that comes on. It's good that folks know that. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. He says, now just hold that thought, fight the good fight of faith, and turn just over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, he says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Hey, as good soldiers were to fight a good fight and war a good warfare. You know, there's a lot of things out there. There's a lot of things out there that we could fight. We talked about the as, as our calling as a soldier of Jesus Christ. We, we have two things. We have, we have the responsibility and we have the duty. The duty to lead others to Jesus Christ. To capture those... Uh, from darkness that have been blinded and have been uh, deceived. And then to encourage and to help our brothers and sisters in Christ that need it. This is our duty. And again, as we see ourselves as soldiers of Jesus Christ, we begin to see that we have a duty. What makes a good soldier a good soldier? Is one that knows his weapon. 
One that knows his weapon. All of our study last week was based upon the scripture. Based upon the foundation, the word of God. That that guides us. That that uh, directs us. That that fills us. Fulfills us. And so the verse 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, the soldier, he spends time with his weapon. Not learning how to use it to hurt someone, but learning how to use it to help someone to recover from the snare of the devil. And then as a good soldier, we understand our weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. Take your Bibles and turn back there to 2 Timothy chapter 2. You know what he said to him in that fourth verse? He said, No man warreth and tangleth himself with the affairs of this life. You know what will take us out of the fight, if you will? Being entangled with constant earthly things. Constantly being entangled with earthly things. Not keeping our focus on the eternal. As a soldier, you know what a soldier says sometimes, has to say, yeah, that's okay, that thing, that's nothing wrong with it for you, but I'm a soldier. I cannot get entangled with that right now because I have a duty, I have a calling on my life. Therefore, I must please him that has called me as a soldier. He says later in that same chapter, if you have your Bibles open to 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says um, in verse 21, if a Man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He says, hey, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, there are things that we have to lay aside so that we can run the race that is set before us. There's things that we cannot find ourselves entangled in or ensnared in. So through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God, we are set free from those things that would put us in bondage. We talk not only about being a soldier of Jesus Christ, but there in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, in the very last verse, verse 17, he says this. He says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I I said, hey, have you ever seen yourself as a soldier of Jesus Christ? And then I said, have you ever seen yourself as a man of God? A woman of God? You know what this church needs? Do you know what this community needs? Do you know what this country needs? Do you know what this world needs? It needs men and women of God that will stand in the gap. That'll hear from God. You know what it means to be a man of God, what it means to be a woman of God? Someone that hears from God. Hears from God and then obeys it. Obeys His word, obeys His calling, obeys His purpose and plan for His life. We spent a lot of time, this study, the man of God, we spent a lot of time uh, talking about salvation. Then, in order to be a man of God, you have to be born of God. And if you would have been there that day, we felt the presence of God as we started talking about salvation. 
we started talking about a person being born again and coming to know Jesus Christ and being transformed. There was a man that was on the trip with us. His name was Doug. And as we had tons of discussion and as we studied the Word of God there for a while, he stopped us in the middle of it and he says, I want to know more about this salvation. We went to Romans chapter 10 and then to Ephesians chapter 2 and talked about if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, thou shalt be saved. And Doug, 45-ish years old, looked at all of us and said, I'm ready to do that. And as he flipped his head back and tears just streamed out of his face, he cried out to God there in that mountain cabin and asked Jesus Christ to save him. And every one of us, tears were pouring out our eyes. It was the most glorious experience that we could ever experience here on earth and Doug became a man of God and it was so evident from that day and the next you could see the spirit of God working in Doug as we studied the Bible and talked and it's just a wonderful thing to see a person follow God in salvation we follow him as a in salvation through believing his gospel but then we continue as a man and woman of God in hearing Him, and then obeying Him, and following Him. Look at the 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy. We're going to be turning back and forth between 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. In verse 6. It says, But godliness... With contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many hurt, foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which... which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. As we began and continued to talk about the mountaintop in the valley, you know what? It became very obvious for us as Christians, for us as followers of Christ is that our Christian maturity is evident in our contentment in both places. That if we are a man of God and we're a woman of God and we realize that God has His hand on our life and He's directing us and leading us and guiding us, that contentment doesn't just come when we've reached the peak. Contentment doesn't just come when everything is how we think it should be. Contentment comes in the journey. Contentment comes in, in, in the day-to-day and being able to be uh, joyous and being able to have the peace of God rule in our hearts even in the valley, even in trouble. Think of that. When you think of a man of God, you think of a woman of God, the strength, the strength that comes from God when you are content. Just that, that right there, contentment. Is, is great godly strength. Listen, why is it that we're so easily 
entangled in this world or so easily tempted. It's hard to tempt someone that's content, isn't it? It's hard to be ensnared and fall into the traps that the devil has laid out when we are content. But as a man of God and a woman of God, we find our contentment in following God, whether that's into the valley or up on the mountaintop. It's wherever He leads and whatever He says. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 5, For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer, talking about uh, meats and food. He said, If thou put the brother, verse 6, in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourish up in the words of faith, and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. He says our, our nourishment comes through the Word of God, that we become built up through the truth of God. And as men and women of God, you know what we follow and we stand on? We stand and follow the Word of God as our guide, as our sustenance, as, as, a, as our life, as we talked about last week, as our inspiration, God breathing in us. So we talked about being the soldier of of the Lord, a man and woman of God, and then now back in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says in verse 1, I charge thee, Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but will after their own lust heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Look at this. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. As as men of God, as women of God, we are called to be evangelists. What's it mean to evangelize? It means to tell the lost of the hope that is in Jesus Christ. It's to tell those that have no hope, that have no uh, walk or relationship with the Lord, it's to tell them the good news. And that is the preaching. You don't think of yourself maybe as an evangelist, you don't think of yourselves as a preacher, but as a soldier you do have a duty. You are called to tell others of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we do this? Do we do this in where we you know, use a, uh, you know, scream it from the mountaintops and tell it to every individual. Well, the whole world needs to know the good news. But I believe as followers of Jesus Christ, there's two, two keys to telling others about Christ. And one is to be spirit-filled. And the other is to be spirit-led. Just as Philip was led by the Spirit to preach to the Ethiopian eunuch, why was he led there? Because the Ethiopian eunuch was ready. There was an open door. He was ready to hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. But then living our lives in a spirit-filled way 
will help us to be able to be aware of what's going on. Now, to be Spirit-filled, we'd have the fruits of the Spirit in our life, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We'd have these things evident in our life. And so you know what is important in our work as an evangelist is not always what we say, but how we live or what we do. Do we truly have peace in our life or joy in our life? Do we have love? Having the love of God in our heart is that what helps us proclaim the truth, proclaim the doctrine with long suffering. A true desire and a true love for the person that we're talking to, that we're telling. How is it that we're going to become an evangelist? You, you begin to look at your life and you say, well, you know, I don't see myself going out and preaching any place like that, but... As an evangelist, you know, our children need reached for Christ. If we reach our children, we're evangelizing them. If we reach our grandchildren, we're evangelizing them. They need it. If we reach a neighbor or a co-worker. And, and by the way, when we talk about evangelism, I think that we have gotten to, to a place that is... Uh, we think it's just going to happen like that. And sometimes it could, and sometimes it may. But as we talk just a little bit about Doug accepting Christ as his Lord and Savior, it just happened uh, this past week. Uh, Doug, in his testimony, talked about the last three years, how Todd and Jeff planted seeds in his life. That's three years. Three years of planting and watering that was able to come to fruition. Oh yeah, one time, sure. But, but, but you say, well, evangelism is not just this preaching and always reaping. It is a lot of sowing. It's a lot of sowing. It's a lot of watering that can take years sometimes. And as a good evangelist, we're long-suffering. We're patient in our planning and in our watering. That, listen, we don't have to see the fruit tomorrow and we get discouraged if we don't. We're in this for the long haul. We're in this for the long journey. And it's worth our prayers. And it's worth our continual effort to one day see God bring the increase. You see yourself as a soldier, as a man or woman of God, as an evangelist. And finally, some of the most, I, don't, I guess, some of the most encouraging words that could have ever been sent to Timothy in his, in his walk with Christ. You know, it's, as you're starting your journey and walking along, you know what's encouraging every now and again is to meet someone who's been walking with Christ 20, 30 years, and they can tell you that the joy of the Lord is still there, that it's worth it, that it's worth it to continue with Christ. And Timothy, as he was beginning his ministry and walk with the Lord, Paul writes this letter to him. And, and again, we know that Paul was at the end of his life. He was ready to be offered meaning he was ready to be killed for his preaching the gospel. Pick it up with me now, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, Paul, to Timothy. And the time of my departure is at hand. Hey, yesterday we had to get up at like 2.30 in the morning because our plane left at 5.45. We had a departure. We were leaving one place 
and we were going to another. I was excited. I just after a couple of days, I missed my family, missed Rebecca and the kids. And you know what? Paul says, "My departure is at hand. I'm going to be leaving here, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Amen. Lord." And he knew that his final destination was far greater than his place yeah. was right now. Amen. And even though he knew that it was going to be the end of his yeah. life. He said, my departure is coming. And that was not a sad thing for Paul. That was a good thing. He says to Timothy, my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is now laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He said, listen, Timothy, I, I, I did the course that I was supposed to go. I walked the path. I walked the journey that God had laid out for me. I finished it. I I kept the faith the whole time, Timothy. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. And as we close this message this morning, each and every one of us need to look deep down in our hearts and say, God, I know that you've laid a course out for my life. I know that I'm a soldier. I know that I'm a man or woman of God. I know that you've called me to be an evangelist. And by your strength and by your spirit and by your help, I'm going to keep the faith. I'm going to endure hardness from time to time as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be filled and stand on the Word of God and filled with your spirit and your love and your faith. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I will finish the course that you've set out for me. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father God, we love you, Lord. We love your scripture and the message that you give us in 2 Timothy. And Lord, help us. Help each of us, Lord, to be filled with your spirit and to walk after you. And Lord, help us to endure the hardness from time to time. Lord, help us to be a good soldier. Help us to be men and women of God that can hear from you and talk to you and obey your voice. Lord, help us to do the work of an evangelist. God, help us to finish the race, finish the fight that you've laid out for us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.